James. We are in the book of James. And a little bit of a uh, little bit of context, I think it would help to understand some of uh, the context of the atmosphere of of the times here when James is writing. So if you can imagine, so James writes to the 12 tribes of Israel and one of the big problems was that the the Israelites could not understand that just being an Israelite did not make you right with God. And so they're, they're constantly contending, James and Paul contends with it in Galatians, where the Pharisee type folks are trying to get these Christians to become Jews also. And James is sort of dealing with, James and John sort of deal with it as well, just in a different way than Paul does. And so that's sort of the, James is just really direct about what faith is supposed to be and what it's supposed to, it, what it's supposed to look like. And, and so it, the, the counterpart to that or the thing he's trying to, trying to explain or, or um, get out of these folks' head is that, you know, you guys, this, this being an Israelite is, is not, the whole thing is about Jesus Christ and then post-resurrection, obviously, it's, it's, it's looking to Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you talk about believing in God or things like that, that doesn't really, that's not really anything. It doesn't really make any difference. It's uh, it's going to be shown in some some capacity in your life, and John sort of does the same thing in First John, where he talks about this is these are the, the the ways we know that we have eternal life, and he lists like five things in the in the letter, and one of the points of that is to say none of these things are related to you becoming a Jew. They're all, it's all about if you have eternal life, then eternal life looks like something. And so, James chapter 1, verse 17, this, is, this seems to be another thought here. Uh, after the verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. And this deals with something Jesus told Nicodemus about being born again. What does that mean? And, uh, and so... Um, let's read a few of these verses. James chapter 1, verse 17, and then we'll pray, and then uh, we'll deal with what James says, particularly as it relates to a new birth. What, 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 what are we talking about here when we say things like that? Or what, what was Jesus Christ talking about when He said things like that to Nicodemus? What is Peter talking about when he says it? So verse 17 says, Every good gift... Every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and keep in mind, this was, this was the issue with the Israelites. They heard the word. They had it. They, they, it, it was actually coming out of their mouths every, every Sabbath. They're, they're, they're speaking the scriptures. So they're hearing it, but not doers. For if any be a hearer of the word, verse 23, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world." So James is, again, very direct about faith that is evidence. The, the evidence of something hoped for, the substance of something not seen in somebody's life. It's not just, it's not racial, it's not about uh, what history you have. It has to do with listening to the words of God, heeding the words of God, and then there's, there's substance and evidence that is based on hope of what, you, what you've heard from, from God. And so that said, let's pray. And I give you four things. I broke this, thing, this, this little part of the letter up into four parts. And um, we'll talk about these parts. And the theme, really the thought is being born again. Being born again. But let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank You for this time together. Thank You for these words. Uh, I do pray that You would help us, as always, understand these things that You've said. Thank You for each soul that's here this evening. And I pray that You would uh, you guide our study. And uh, for those that are sick, that You would help them recover, help Ben with what he's got, help them get over that. And then uh, those that are traveling, you get them home safe and uh, give them a good time where they're where they're going, and uh, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so after verse 16 seems to end the thought, do not err, uh, my beloved brethren. And then 17 starts kind of a new thought about God's good gifts and His goodness. And those, those good things come in the form of His voice, His speaking. And, uh, and there's the, there is... You know, you got you got your own voice you got in your own head and about, you know, your body has a voice that says things and it wants things. But in life, in reality, there is a higher voice, there's a higher moral voice, and the Lord is that voice. And that that is the thing to listen to. That was that's that person, that voice is the one to listen to. And this was the voice that created the nation of Israel. As you will see, he says kind of some, something like that in verse, verse 18. It's the voice that created the nation. And, uh, hence, you know, you've got evidence of, of, of that today. 
And so God's goodness, he says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. The goodness and the, and the uh, good gifts of God come in the form of his words. In fact, there's a couple of Proverbs just um, that talk about things like this. as the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Uh, the lips of the righteous feed many. And so the, the words are the gifts. These are the things. And then, of course, applying that to Jesus Christ, this is why John would say something like, the Word was made flesh. Now, now it has this body. Now it's a person, a physical human being in Jesus Christ. And, but the words are the gifts. And so this is, this is how God, God operates. His words convert souls. Uh, David said that the law of the Lord converts the soul. And so this is this is all description of God's good, uh, His goodness to to people. Uh, I want to show you a couple cross references before we move on to the second point. But look in First Peter real quick. Peter describes this new birth experience and and receiving the words of God. And this is how someone is is. Born from above, you have to receive the words of God, and this is the Spirit of God. This is how the Spirit works through the words of God. They're not they're not separate from each other in the way that, that the Spirit works here. First Peter says this in verse uh, in chapter one, verse twenty two. There's a there's a several verses here, starting with twenty two. It says, "Seeing Peter says this, seeing you have purified your souls." in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So this is how the Spirit works, through the words of God. This is how God's Spirit works. You've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. So this is what it concludes in. This is, the, this is where it goes, to this unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. So this is how, again, God's good gifts are bestowed on people. By the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So this is the eternal thing. The voice of the Lord is, is eternal. Why? Because the Lord is eternal. He's, he's God. In contrast, verse 24, you've got the Word of God that is incorruptible, eternal, that births eternal creatures Verses, verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So you see all that, all this, all this is wrapped around the words of God, the voice of the Lord, and this is how people are born into an incorruptible heritage, born into the family of God. You, you receive the words of God and not just hear them. You know, it's not just a matter of hearing these things because, again, the Israelites heard them and heard them regularly. So uh, Peter explains being born again in, in this little part of his letter. Um, not of corruptible seed, but by the words of God with incorruptible uh, incorruptible by the word of God, things like that. So 
He's kind of saying the same thing that James is saying when James says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. His words aren't going to change. His words aren't going to... He's not going to change his mind about the, his plan, about for sure the, the main things. Obviously, prayer can affect what, what the Lord... His responses to things, but uh, the Lord's not going to sneak around and, and try to try to trick people with his words. And so this is James explaining this. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Verse 18 in James chapter 1, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. This is how we this is how he created and you could I, I it's either that he's describing the birth of the nation through the words of God or he's describing Christianity, one or the other. And so of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I think that makes me think he's describing really Christianity as a, as a whole there. There in verse 19, he says, Wherefore, who are my beloved brethren? Let every man be swift to hear. Before we get to that, one last thing about this being born again from above. When Nicodemus and Jesus Christ are having that conversation, and I bring it up regularly because it seems to be one of the most misunderstood things, but one of the most often quoted phrases, born again, born again, born again, born again. And I guarantee you say that to people that aren't regularly churchgoers or in their Bible, and that has no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. No one understands what that means. And that I know that because most folks in church don't even understand what that means, born again. And so when Jesus Christ says this to Nicodemus, who is a avid, an avid synagogue goer, he is a teacher in the synagogue, and he tells Nicodemus, Look, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, you mean I'm supposed to be born of my mother again? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, no, I'm not talking about physical birth. I'm talking about you have to have a birth from above of, of incorruptible seed by the Word of God. This is how you have to be born. And this is the only thing that creates eternal beings. This is, this is, this is how you have to be born. This is how you have to have eternal life. And so John chapter 3, Nicodemus and Jesus Christ have this conversation about being born again. And I'll remind you, he is not talking to somebody after the resurrection. He is talking to someone before the resurrection. He's talking to an Israelite and he's explaining that, look, your first birth. Yes, you're an Israelite. Great. You have a relationship with Abraham. Okay. But you are not related to God by your first birth. You are related to God by a heavenly birth. And how the only way, the only way you can be related to God is if God speaks to you and you listen to that and you heed those words. Like David said, if you hadn't spoken to me, I would be like them that go down to the pit. And so this is how, this is how someone is related to God. Paul would explain it in Galatians. By faith, this is how you're going to be related to God. We're all sons of God. We're all children of God by faith. So this is what James is, is explaining, and then he's going to be very direct about what faith is, what, what, it, what, what it looks like. Verses uh, 19 and 20, if I'm supposed to, if just pretend you're an Israelite, 
you're hearing this from James, and you're, you're familiar with Scriptures, and you've heard them for your whole life. I mean, you've heard them in synagogue. You've heard the rabbis talk about the Scriptures and bring up the prophets and bring up Moses and things like that. But James says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, verse 19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Slow to wrath. So don't before, before you start proclaiming your righteousness and proclaiming how you're an Israelite related to Abraham, listen. You need to listen to what God said. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, which is true. So there's, there's some Old Testament precedents here about listening and doing. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he said, when you go to the house of God, be ready. Be, put it this way, he says, be more ready to hear. That's Ecclesiastes 5. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. What are just talking, just you know, proclaiming your righteousness. Be ready to listen. The rabbis are opening their mouths and, and, and preaching the Scriptures. They're preaching Moses. They're preaching what the prophets said. And they're reading from the prophets. And they're reading from Moses. And Solomon would say, when you go to the house of God, listen. You need to hear what God says. And so that's Ecclesiastes 5. He'll go on to say, don't be rash with your mouth. Um, don't, don't let your heart be hasty. Um, and he says, hasty to utter anything before God, you know, like to proclaim what you're going to do and what, you know, how you're going to serve God and all that stuff. He says, be ready to listen because this is how you're going to be born again. This is how you're going to receive life is through the words of God. This is how you receive the life of God. Uh, in Proverbs, he would say, um, basic, basically, <laughs> kind of in a, in a, I guess, somewhat sarcastic way, but let's say even a, even a fool, if he will shut his mouth, will be considered wise. He will stop talking and listen. So Israelites, if you will stop talking about your, your Israelite heritage, it's good, it's good, it's good, it came from God, it's good. But listen, the point, the point of God giving you His words is so that you would hear them. Not so that you would have them, so that you would hear them. So you would listen. So listen and do. Verses 19 and 20. For the wrath of man, verse 20, worketh not the righteousness of God. That, that's, not, that's, not, uh, that's not how God works. You're, you're not going to make something right because you're, you're mad about it or whatever. You're not going to make it right. So listen and do. Then he goes on to say this, and it's very direct about the way his, his audience would be thinking. Essentially, familiarity to the Scriptures doesn't mean anything if they're not practiced. Verse 21, he says, Wherefore, Lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, just bad stuff, flesh, carnal stuff, and receive with meekness. That's humility. Receive with meekness the engrafted Word 
which is able to save your souls. Why? Because the words of God are life. This is, this is where, this is your source of life. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh, manifest in the flesh, God manifest in the flesh, and it's the words of God that are life. The, 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 the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. So James says, lay apart the carnal stuff, receive what God said, because this is, this is real life. Not, not, not your own, own ambitions, your own agendas, your own righteousness. Listen and apply what God's saying. This was the advantage of, of the nation. Verse 22, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only. You go to Sabbath every, every week, and you hear it. But hearing it isn't, isn't the point. Doing it is the point. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. What is that? Well, we have the Scriptures. We have God. Therefore, we're right. Therefore, we're good. Therefore, God, God approves of our activities. No. Don't, don't deceive yourselves. Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the Word, and not a doer. It's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You know, you get in the mirror, you look in the mirror, and what does the mirror tell you? It tells you everything that needs to be fixed. That's what the words of God do. It's like looking, you look in the mirror and it tells you the stuff that needs to I need my hair's messed up, I got something on my face, and gotta move this, and you know, this thing's not buttoned right, and <laughs> that's what the mirror does. But if someone looks in the mirror and observes everything that's wrong and then walks away not fixing anything, the mirror isn't helping you. And this, was, this, was, this is the issue with Israel. You have the mirror. You, and you, and it's, it's explaining to you at least every week what, what is God's intention, what is God's plan, what does he expect? All that is said regularly. Verse 23, But if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. That is self-deception, and we are, we are incredibly good at that. Incredibly good at that. Disobedience is self-deceit. And that's the idea. It's self-deceit. Receive means apparently to, to obey this, to listen, to do, to lay aside these carnal things. And this is, this is exactly the way, the way Paul describes it. He describes the circumcision made without hands. What, is that? what does that mean? That means you have within yourself, you have a voice uh, that is a carnal voice. And a lot of times, we were talking about this last night, a lot of times you can't distinguish between, it's so wild sometimes how the, how the devil works, but, um, even, but even your own flesh, you, you, you can't distinguish whether this, this voice is it's good, it's bad, it's just carnal. But then there's another voice outside of you that's the Lord's voice. 
And that voice guides and is light and it exposes the carnality and it exposes these intents of your own heart and it it brings to light these motivations and ambitions and it brings to light these things. And by virtue of bringing to light this carnality, this, this, this light now makes a separation. And this is, this is what Hebrew says. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, dividing asunder this, that, this, that, soul, spirit, even to the, the point of dividing out the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. So this is this, like Paul says, the circumcision made without hands where you have, you have this, the, the carnal thoughts are able to be recognized as carnal thoughts. And the, and the spiritual thoughts are able to be recognized as spiritual thoughts. This is something that, that you can't get a knife and do this. You do this by this, the, the words of life. And so, so Paul describes it as the circumcision made without hands. That's Colossians 2.11. Um, Hebrews 4.12, we just talked about that one. Um, why, why is this needed? There's a, we were talking about last night. But it is sometimes incredible how, how, how slick um, the serpent is, or the devil, Satan. You, you remember when, when Jesus Christ, He said it multiple times, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And Peter kind of takes him aside and says, I'm not going to let you go to the cross. And Peter, in his good intentions, his good intentions, he opens his mouth and the devil speaks. That was, but he thought it was him. He, he, he thought, this is my voice. This is my desire. I am going to prevent Jesus Christ from going to the cross. And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter didn't even know. He thought it was his own voice. He thought it was his own mind talking. These were his thoughts. That's how, that's how subtle that stuff is. And it takes the words of God to start distinguishing between, hey, this thought, this is a carnal thought. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't lined up with the will of God. But this thought over here, this is a spiritual, this is good. This is lined up with the will of God. So this is what this is why James says what he says. You know, you behold yourself in the mirror, and then you just forget what what you were, and you just go back to whatever. But the mirror is supposed to reveal the 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 flaws and reveal what needs to be what needs to be fixed, and also it can reveal what's what's good, what needs to continue, what needs to be encouraged. So this disobedience, this idea of disobedience, is just it's self-deceit. Um, it becomes a real problem. Jesus Christ talks about it in Matthew 7, where He says, you know, these people are going to come to Me and they're going to say, I did all these things in Your name. You know, we cast out devils. We were, we were doing all this stuff. And they, they couldn't recognize because they weren't listening to the words of God they couldn't recognize that their thoughts and their actions weren't in line with the will of God. And so Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. I never knew you. I never knew you. That's Matthew chapter 7. James, back over here in James, he talks about the law of liberty. It's tied to the Spirit emanating from the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
It's, it's, it's that whole thought of the, the Son shall make you free. If the Son shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. And then Paul would say, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, it's tied to Jesus Christ. He says, where that Spirit is, there, there's liberty. There's light. There's liberty. There's the, the ability to understand the will of God. And James says, if you, under, and you get that light, you get the understanding, the point is, follow that light. Do it. Do what it says to do. Otherwise, it's just self-deceit. We're just all kind of kidding ourselves about, about our own spiritual lives. And so, he goes on to wrap it up, this, this second thought here, this last thought here, that conversion is showing mercy, not talking about mercy. The true conversion of a soul is to show mercy. Not, not to, to become an agent of mercy. Not, not to become a, 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 a someone who confesses mercy. So he says this, if any be, verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he's still, he's still proclaiming his own righteousness. If he won't bridle his own tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Why? Because here's what, here's what real religion does. And I know religion sometimes gets a, a bad rap as, you know, it's, it's a bad thing. I don't think that's a, that's a healthy practice to just make all, all religion bad because the Bible doesn't do that. And there's some reasons for that. One of them is this. The Bible doesn't make all religion bad. It makes perverted religion bad. But true religion isn't bad. Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to talk about how great you are, and to talk about... No. Pure religion undefiled before God the Father is this. It's conversion. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So conversion is showing mercy, staying pure. It's, it's not a profession of mercy. It's not a profession that we're related to God. It's not a profession that that we're God's children conversion is becoming an ambassador of God's mercy conversion is actually becoming a, 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 a I guess agent of uh, of loving kindness it's not professing your purity it's actually being pure that's conversion it's not saying you're converted. It's actually conversion. It's you've changed from this thing into this. And how did you change from this thing into this? By the words of God. By the light that God gave you. And this, this is especially applicable to uh, the, the nation, the 12 tribes, especially after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is a, a very full explanation of being born again. James discusses that God's goodness, God's good uh, uh, character is, is found in His good words. This is how He communicates. This is how He brings life to people. He speaks. And then ultimately, the Word was made flesh. Jesus Christ. 
What do you do with the words? You say, hey, we got the words. Oh, you listen to the words and do the words. This is, this is, this is the expectation. I'm giving you these words. Paul would say, so what was the, you know, in Romans 3, he'd say, so what was the, if everybody's a sinner, you know, you get through Romans 1 and 2 and everybody's a sinner. Even the Israelites, they're all sinners. We're all sinners. And so, beginning of chapter 3, Paul asks the question in Romans, so what's the advantage of being a Jew? And he says, well, there's a lot of advantages. The biggest one was that they had the words of God. And no other nation had that. But they had the words of God, not so they could say they had the words of God. They had the words of God as light to guide behavior, to guide their activities, to guide their thoughts. So listen and do. Disobedience is itself deceit. It's just you're you're pretending to be something you're not, and in the end, the Lord says, "I don't I don't know who you are." The way you're connected to God by faith in His words, the words of God, and by faith, this is how we're all children of God. And then the last part of this conversion is is actual conversion it's it's showing mercy it's not talking about mercy it's showing mercy it's not talking about a clean life it's living clean these these are the things that that this an actual conversion i mean if you talk about a conversion if you're going to convert a i don't know a a car or i don't know something you would convert from one thing to another the point is, it's not this old thing anymore. It's, it's this other thing now. I've converted this from this to this. Well, this is what God's trying to do with people. I'm trying to convert you from sinner to saint. And the way I'm going to do that is with the words of God. And so James is just he's explaining this, and it has... Tremendous application to particularly Israelites that would, they had a very familiar with the words of God, with the scriptures, and they based their righteousness on having these things. We have these things. We have Moses. We have the prophets. And the Lord says, that's not what they're, they're there for. They're there to guide, they're there to give light. I'm not giving this to you so you can say you have it. I'm giving this to you so you can guide your life with it and be a light to the other nations. And so this is a pretty full description of being born again, just not, I don't know, maybe not the way it was explained in John. This is James' explanation from a different angle, so to speak. So James being born again, describing being born again here. So I hope that is helpful to you let's pray and then we will take some prayer requests father thank you for this time together thank you for these words i pray it's helpful to learn what you're saying and i know it is we need your voice in our lives and not just to have it but to guide us to actually be able to make a distinction between thoughts that are that are un proven that are carnal thoughts that are just our own thoughts versus thoughts that are higher than our thoughts and uh, we need you to to communicate with us so that we can hear that voice 
Thank you again for each soul that's here this evening. Thank you for this time together. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do some.